Hello, and welcome to The X Degree, a podcast where we delve deep into the abyss of the internet to find strange, convoluted, and seemingly impossible connections between two random things. My name is Eric Stafford. Today, we will be looking at the connection between pickle juice, a brine solution used to preserve and add flavor to cucumbers, and the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, Also, sorry if you can hear a fan in the background. We're in the middle of a heat wave, and I record this in my closet. Um, I kind of want to be comfortable. You know those weird old wives tales somehow everyone at your elementary school or junior high school heard? Like like weird rumors that spread for no reason that we could never really check out the validity of? Like the ones I heard were like holding your eyes crossed would make them stick or that someone's aunt held in a fart and she died from it or swallowing gum makes it stick in your stomach for seven years or the musician Marilyn Manson had a rib removed to suck his own, you know. Or how one way to get rid of a muscle cramp is to drink pickle juice, which is weird because it kind of works. A 2010 study performed at North Dakota State University found that in hypohydrated males, electrically induced muscle cramps subsided faster when the subject ingested pickle juice rather than deionized water. 35 seconds faster, actually. And the researchers only have guesses as to why this works. There's no real change in the muscle contraction strength or composition of the interstitial fluids around the muscles. The best guess that they have is that the juice affects some step in the neural control of the muscles, which is just super weird. I mean, pickle juice is basically spiced brine or vinegar solutions used to slowly replace the water in cucumbers with that solution. Or actually any veggie. A favorite of mine is the pickled onion, carrot, and jalapeno sides that you get at like taco stands or like really good Mexican restaurants. Other spices or solution concentrations could be used to make different flavors for pickling, but that's pretty much it, except that I need to point out that there's a tab on Wikipedia talking about Kool-Aid pickles, where you dunk a cucumber in Kool-Aid. But anyway, another similar muscle cramp reduction technique I heard as a kid was to take a mustard pack and squirt it into your mouth. On many obstacle course races I've done, the area around the burpees is littered with these yellow packets that either fell from people's pockets or just discarded. And like the research stated before, a 2014 study at Central Michigan University looked for the reasons people believe and anecdotally say that pickle juice and mustard relieve muscle cramps. In this study, researchers looked at blood plasma concentrations of sodium and potassium, key elements for molecular contraction, but found no change in these levels compared to control subjects. But hey, anecdotal evidence seems to trump scientific research these days. And also, mustard is just weird enough on its own, like most things in modern life. At least for me, mustard is weird. It's a collection of spreads and toppings made with the mustard seed plant, and much like every blanket term, the distinctions of different types of mustard range far and wide a lot like wine. It's, wine's just fermented grapes. I mean, come on. But at least here in America, when we hear mustard, we think of French's neon yellow on a hot dog. Or go to a German restaurant and there'll be 20 different varieties for your brat. Chunky varieties, some made with honey and some that are spicy. And the clear your sinuses cry as you smell them. That's, those are, those are good ones. Nice tangy, hot, snot-producing Dijon. And much like my wine analogy before, true Dijon is only made in Dijon, France, like champagne. But for our purposes, 
Let's focus on a style of Dijon made by Kraft Foods in here in the U.S. Grey Poupon. Named after Maurice Gray and Augustine Poupon, I swear those are real names, not generic French NPC names I came up with. It was founded in 1866. The company bounced from multinational conglomerate to another from 1946 until being eventually purchased by Kraft, the mac and cheese guys, in 1999. In the 1980s, Grey Poupon was advertised to the mass American market in a wave of luxury and elite product lines that were being pushed by big corporations. In a famous ad, one man is eating a full China set meal in the back of his Rolls Royce and adds a small little dollop of Grey Poupon to his plate using a tiny little fork. And when a second Rolls Royce pulls up, there's an equally dignified man and asks if he has any Grey Poupon. If you haven't seen it, you've probably seen a parody or a re-release of the ad something. But as we move away from condiments, let's follow the scent of our journey into the world of luxury automobiles. In another double-name company trend, Charles Rolls and Henry Royce founded their car business in 1904, utilizing their previous high-quality engineering practices and later transitioned to manufacturing jet engines in the 1940s. In fact, Rolls-Royce engines are the second most common jet engines in the world behind GE engines, and Rolls-Royce was listed as the 16th largest defense contractor worldwide in 2018. But the Rolls-Royce most of us know is actually gone. In 1973, the motor car division of Rolls-Royce was separated from the nationalized jet engine sector of the company. The motors division manufactured the Rolls-Royce and Bentley brands of the cars until it was bought by the engineering company Vickers. That was then sold to Volkswagen in 1980. In a funny little corporation roundabout, Vickers was later purchased by the jet engine Rolls-Royce, but after the car sector was under VW control. Sorry, the world of branding and IP is just Really fascinating and strange to me. I don't know why. And to make things even more frustrating, Bentley is now the sole name that the previous sector manufactures under. But BMW acquired the rights to the trademark of Rolls-Royce and manufactures cars under that name. Confused? So am I. So let's move on into the company that currently owns the Rolls-Royce cars themselves, the people's car, Volkswagen. Literally the German for Volk or Folks and Wagon cars VW was founded in 1937 by the National Socialist German Workers' Party, a.k.a. the Nazis. Hitler called for the company to design and manufacture an affordable, reliable, and sturdy car for happy Aryan families with 2.5 kids. The car design was the Porsche Type 60, later called the Volkswagen Type 1. We now know it as the Beetle. And maybe you stopped yourself, did he say Porsche? Or maybe he didn't, I don't really care. But I did say Porsche. As in Ferdinand Porsche, the designer of, including the Beetle, the first gas-electric hybrid car, the Panzer Tiger tank, the V1 flying bomb, and numerous other motor car design improvements, while also, you know, being a Nazi. But he was such a good engineer that he was pretty much absorbed by the Allied countries, but he was later arrested by the French government for accusation of war crimes, mainly for the use of forced labor in his factories. He is regarded as one of the greatest automobile engineers of the 1900s, because time and contribution to society cures all wounds, I guess. However, before all of the Nazi and VW stuff, he was already a car manufacturer. His main offices for the Porsche Motor Company were, and still are, in the city of Stuttgart, Germany. Stuttgart is the capital of the state of Baden-Württemberg, and is currently the sixth largest city in Germany. And while I could talk for hours about a city with all of its history that it has, we are 
going to stay in the car manufacturing sector because along with the Porsche headquarters, Mercedes-Benz is also headquartered in Stuttgart. I don't know why. I think this is just a bunch of European double name companies for some reason. I, I unknowingly make these episodes with a theme, I guess. It's weird. Well, a fun quick story about Carl Benz, the inventor of the first patented internal combustion engine and vehicle. The world's first ever long distance ride was performed not by Carl, but by his wife, Bertha. On August 5th, 1888, she took a prototype model of the car from the garage and their two children to her mother's home, 104 kilometers away, about 65 miles. From their home in Mahayim to Pofsheim, Pofsheim, I think, supposedly without Carl knowing. The trip took all day and required Bertha to stop at almost every pharmacy on the way for fuel. She invented brake lining by having a shoemaker nail leather to the brake pads and tons of other repairs to the car that she did on the spot. That night, she regaled Carl about the trip and made her way home the next day. Now every two years, there's an antique motor car rally along the exact same route just to commemorate her. I love that. Anyways, Mercedes grew as one of the original car manufacturers of the world, but was also swallowed up by the Nazis in World War II. And now is the largest premium vehicle manufacturer selling 2.31 million cars in 2018. Plus, you have those sprinter vans people are always living in now. Almost every large bus in Europe I've seen is a Mercedes, and they're also kicking ass in Formula One right now. But with a company that large, you need to advertise their name pretty much everywhere. A one perfect place for advertising is Giant Sports Arenas. They sponsor the arena and team of VFB Stuttgart in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is home to the Atlanta Falcons, and the currently named Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. Originally built in 1975, the Superdome is the home field for the New Orleans Saints and is the location of the annual NCAA Sugar Bowl. The arena has a current capacity of just over 73,000 and has hosted seven Super Bowls, five NCAA Men's Basketball Final Fours, a couple international soccer games, massive professional wrestling events, arena stops for concert tours, and infamously, it has an estimated 15 to 20,000 residents from New Orleans in the fallout of Hurricane Katrina in 2005. But going all the way back to the original opening of the Superdome, in gimmicky fashion, a stunt was planned to ring in the opening of the new arena in 1975. Something daring, something people want to come out and watch. And they chose a tightrope walker, or if you're fancy, a phenomenalist, to walk across the length of the arena. Now today, eh, give us a choreographed LED drone show and concert by some Instagram famous artist. But just that year before, in 1974, the man that they had walk across the Superdome did something pretty damn cool. He walked on a high wire between the roofs of the World Trade Centers. Philippe Petit and his friends planned the stunt for months in advance, sewing away in the unfinished top levels of the Twin Towers, preparing to hide away one night, set up the wire between the towers, and do the walk, which was... Well, I guess it wasn't necessarily illegal, but no official was going to say, okay, cool, sounds great, go right ahead. On August 6, 1974, Petit and his friends snuck in and hid in the upper levels of the towers with all their gear hidden in crates that they had brought up just beneath the roof. Throughout the night after the buildings closed, a bow and arrow were used to send a guide wire across the towers that then allowed to pass larger gauge wires across until the final cable was in place and secured by stabilizing guy lines. At 7 a.m. on August 7th, 1974, 
Petit stepped onto the wire with a bouncing pole 1,350 feet above the ground. He walked back and forth between the towers a total of eight times, dancing, spinning, laying down, and kneeling, with NYPD and Port Authority officials on either end begging and yelling at him to come down. He eventually stepped off the roof and was promptly arrested. No charges were brought against Petit, and he was actually given a lifetime pass to visit the top of the towers. In 2008, filmmaker James Marsh shot a documentary, Man on Wire, about the event and the footage of the stunt and interviews with Petit and some of the others that helped him. It won an Academy Award for Best Documentary in 2009. At the ceremony when Petit was given his Oscar, he proceeded to balance it on its head on his chin. And while this made Petit a pop culture reference in America, his first public stunt of fame was actually three years earlier when he walked across a wire string between the towers of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Completed in 1260 after literally a hundred years of construction, Notre Dame has been the center point of Parisian culture, being a pinnacle of Gothic architecture for centuries. Somewhat overshadowed now by the Eiffel Tower, the Ante Triomphe, and the Louvre as iconic landmarks in Paris, the cathedral may be one of the most stunning displays of architecture I've ever seen. Many restoration projects have been done in the nearly 800 year history of the building. Famously, after Victor Hugo's novel Notre Dame de Paris, or as we know it, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the citizens of Paris took a massive pride of hill about the cathedral and began sweeping restoration efforts after letting the cathedral's maintenance slip in the years prior. Unfortunately, in April 2019, during restoration of the roof, a fire broke out on the cathedral, nearly destroying it. The massive spire at the center of the roof collapsed and much of the interior structure was ruined. As of now, stabilization of the structure in the cathedral is planned to be completed soon and the restoration should begin sometime in 2021 with the goal of it being completed before the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris. Several millions of dollars have been pledged by cultural icons to revitalize and repair the cathedral. Well, there it is. A multi-named company packed tale of side tangents, but that's one way you can connect pickle juice to the Notre Dame Cathedral. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to the 2010 study, Reflex Inhibition of Electrically Induced Muscle Cramps in Hypohydrated Humans by Kevin Miller, and the 2014 study, Electrolyte and Plasma Responses After Pickle Juice, Mustard, and Deionized Water Ingestion in Dehydrated Humans, also by Kevin Miller. Dude, nice. The 2008 film, Man on Wire, and to the internet's cool uncle, Wikipedia. If you want to see some photos of Grey Poupon, the Porsche One with Adolf Hitler, Bertha Benz's Wild Ride and Philippe Petit doing some impressive phenomenalism. We're on Instagram at to the X degree. If you want to send ideas for new connections, you can DM me there or you can send an email to xdegreepod at gmail.com. Also, if you guys want, um, I'd love if you told a person or two about this. I, I literally make no money. It's just honestly a boost for my ego. That's all it would be. Thanks. A tangent I wish I went down, but I didn't. Although mustard plants have been cultivated since around 1850 BCE in the Indus River Valley, the Romans are considered to be the first people to prepare mustard as a condiment, which they did by mixing unfermented grape juice and mustard seeds. Later records show that the traditional mustard spice is being used specifically to glaze spit-roasted boars. The Romans are credited with bringing mustard to France, where the French, like many other things, made it a delicacy. Stay safe out there.